Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Girl, real talk. This whole, it's a new year, time to reinvent myself trash is not the vibe for 2024. You can find someone who loves you for you, as you are. You don't need to read a stack of self-help books, only eat sad salads, or like start meditating at 5 a.m. to be ready for dating. So yeah, my advice is to download Bumble and find someone who embraces you the way you are right now. Let me know how it goes. I'm always, I always want to write something messy. Like, I don't know, what's the fun of being like clean all the time? Clean feels like boring to me. I'm Jordan Kistner, author of the essay collection, Thin Places. And this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new. And the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. To keep everyone safe, these interviews were recorded remotely, usually on a cell phone in somebody's home. And so you might hear some sounds and signs of life, like a car backfiring, a dog walking through the room, usually my dog walking through the room. Thank you for your patience with that. I came to Kristen Arnett's work through her first novel, titled Mostly Dead Things, about a young woman who steps in to run the family taxidermy business after her father dies. It is a funny and dark and wonderful novel. It was a New York Times bestseller. And her new novel, With Teeth, is told from the point of view of a lesbian mother who is maybe a pretty bad mom or at the very least struggles to like or even love her son by whom she's pretty freaked out and repelled. The book is about gay relationships, parenting, failure, desire, so much else. Arnett, until recently, had a full-time career as a librarian in Florida, which is where she's from. She came on the show to talk about the luxurious, totally confusing, kind of wobbly transition from being somebody who wrote in little stolen moments of the day purely for pleasure, like an affair, to someone who wrote full-time for capital W work. The process was uh, hilarious, a little dark, much like her books. It was so fun to get to talk to her about it. Hope you enjoy. Sincerely, the moment of biggest transformation for myself as a writer has been I've gone from being a person 
who worked not even a nine to five job. I worked like wild hours, um, like doing library work. Like since I've been like, I was 18 years old, had like a full-time job always like working like at a, at a like job where I was there, like at least from eight in the morning until at least six at night, and then probably staying longer and doing stuff. And then like going to night classes. Cause that's how I graduated from college to being like, Oh, now I'm like, I'm, you know, I have my master's in library, but now I'm like writing full time. And like, what does that look like? And for me, it's been a very weird shift and something that like my brain has had a hard time adapting to work. Cause it used to be like, fitting in these like pockets of work. Like I had to like really scurry and like be very purposeful and mindful of my time, right? Like barely eyes cracked open at six in the morning, kind of trying to sit in front of a computer before I open the library. Like, okay, I'm going to get like any amount of words I can get down, like into a word document before like someone starts banging on the door and I have to go open it. And I have like coffee sloshed on myself to being like, okay, I'm like fitting that time in into like a day. And then kind of like giving myself a lot of grief if I don't get like, like a tremendous amount of work done. So it's like having this kind of like work dynamic has been like strange. And I think very much attached to this book coming out. <laughs> yeah. When did that happen? When did you start um, writing full-time? Um, it happened pretty much. I was, I felt, I feel very lucky that the response with mostly dead things was, was what it was. Cause that really allowed me um, with the book deal going into Riverhead and it, it getting like I got optioned. I'm not really supposed to talk about like what that means yet, but I got optioned by studio. Um, so it, it like allowed me to be like, okay, if I want to, like I definitely can just like, you know, for right now, like write full time and have that be my career, which is very, extremely lucky and people don't get to do it. But it was pretty much right after right after book launch. So like summer of 2019, which allowed me to be able to go do book tour stuff and it was really great. Um, but then after like all the tour stuff and going around, it's like, okay, it's just me and like, um, the word document <laughs> and we're alone together again. And now there's not like, you know, like full days of like very, like, I, I mean, I love library work. Um, and I, I, I'm a librarian, but it's like, this is like, you know, being like alone with myself full time and not like sitting at a reference desk or like kind of shoving like half a yogurt in my face while I'm like behind a circulation desk is like a different kind of animal. So that's been, it's been interesting to see also what it's doing to my writing. Plus like add in like, you know, like a kind of global pandemic and like see what, see what fiction looks like from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot of change all at once. Can you tell me more about what your work life looked like in the period kind of just before that transition happened? Yeah. How are you, how are you balancing things? Um, before the transition happened, like when I was still working full-time at libraries, I was managing a department at a library. So generally my schedule looked like I would get into work to like open that library at six in the morning and quite often wouldn't leave until like eight at night. So I would be there all day, like running a department, doing stuff. And then like, I would, I was in this space where I was like, okay, I'm going to like make myself take a lunch break, or I'm going to make myself like leave at a certain time because there's just certain things that I want to get done with regard to like my creative work and my, my fiction writing and like what that looks like. And so I would really, really have to be so particular about scheduling and making sure that looked like very precise and like very calendar. And so like my librarian's brain really allowed 
that. Like it's like, it was like, okay, great. Make an Excel spreadsheet. Terrific. Which I think is very interesting for me. Cause I, I know I'm like very much a bro. I'm drinking a beer right now as we're doing this. I was like, it's happy hour. It's like 4 PM. But, um, like there's just like a very, very much a part of me that's like, likes to feel like I have a process in place, which is like best practices is very librarian. I'm like, okay, if I have like a set of best practices that I'm going to like know exactly what I need to do to like get the optimum output, like not necessarily mean the writing will be good, but like to make sure that I have time in place to like get garbage drafts done or something. So then, um, immediately that shift into like full-time writing as like a career, it started off very much with like, I wasn't writing as I was doing book tour. So it was like very much like you know, like traveling around. I felt like I was living in an airport, like basically eating at airport bars every day. And like, you know, I wasn't thinking as much about work, but it was like kind of bubbling in the back of my head. And I had a lot of excitement about it because I knew I was going to be able to stay home and work. And like, in my mind, I had this idea about like what that would look like, you know, waking up in like a, a really comfortable terry cloth bathrobe and like a bird singing outside and I'm like a beautiful cup of coffee and I'm sitting down at the computer and I'm like, Oh, and the ideas are flowing. I'm like looking at a window at like the Florida landscape and I'm just like crafting beautiful sentences. And I have this like false reality of like what, like leaning into just fiction, like what I have like, a, like, like an insane amount of alone time with writing and what that would look like. I mean, in retrospect, it like is very funny to me because I think like when I was young and I was going to get into library work, like my idea about like what libraries were like or like what librarians glamorous life was like was also like similarly flawed. Like I had this idea that like librarians were like, you know, like very put together, they're behind a desk, stacks of old books, the place smells like good old book smell and like a child comes in and they have a love of reading and you're going to like find their first book and a sense of like wellness and fulfillment. And in reality, like librarianship is like real wild public services, like all kinds of like wild, wild west, like wild shit happening inside the library all the time. So like, I guess I'm like, (laughs) I'm in a state of like consistent, like constant discovery about like, oh, that's not anything what you thought that would be like. So I'm like leaning in now into like my wild, wild west of like full-time writer, just me and my like atrophied brain. (laughs) (laughs) What was it like when you finally finished your book tour and you came home and you were waking up and you didn't have to go to work or you didn't have to go to work at a library anymore? It was very, very strange. Um, my, it was hard for me at first. I feel like the first week or so it felt like, um, like vacation, which is so interesting to me because there was just never time to do any kind of vacation. Anytime I had, I got like a, like two weeks a year, usually like two weeks I could spread out over the whole year. And usually I use those like, okay, I'm going to like have this many days to go to AWP and I'll have like this many days to see if I could do like some kind of writing workshop and all this. So I used it for work, like for writing stuff. I never took like a vacation, like to like go to like, go do something. So like I, at first, like that first like week or so, like I was like, oh, wow, this is like so luxurious. Like I could put on Netflix and I was like really not in like a work mindset, but after like that first week or so like was done and I was still like in my house, I was like, had this like feeling of like time is passing me by, nothing's getting done. I started constructing very elaborate schedules for myself throughout the day. Like really, because I was like, it felt like I was like, you're doing nothing. Even if I sat down and wrote like 2,000, 3,000 words, I'd be like, you didn't do anything today. So I started like, those like first two weeks after that, like the like 
the post like honeymoon phase of those two weeks, I spent like a couple weeks, my house had never been cleaner. I was like, you're going to mop. You're going to like clean all the cabinets in the kitchen. I was like, I'm going to like go outside and mow. I was like, I'm going to weed whack. I have never weed whacked anything in my life. I was just like, I'm going to like jam pack my day full of stuff so that it feels like I'm doing something which is like really not what it was supposed to be. I was like, okay, I can write full time now. Like, it's okay. But like my brain so much associated this idea of like a nine to five. Um, Cause that's what I've been doing since I, I'm 40. That's what I've been doing since I was 18 years old. So I was like, it like, it's so difficult for me. Like it was difficult for me to parse like this idea of like the luxury of being able to sit down and write. And then being like, sometimes being like, Oh man, like, I feel tapped. I wrote like for 20 minutes today. Like, is that bad? Like, is that like good? Normally I'd have been like, amazing. I wrote for 20 minutes today, but that's because my schedule was so smashed full of stuff and people needing things from me. Um, Like I worked full time the entire time I did my undergrad and my master's. So it's like the idea of like having that kind of like, okay, all this day from when you wake up until you go to bed tonight, that's all you, buddy. Like you can write all day long. And then I was like, Oh no, like, what does that look like? How do I like, I was like, I need like everyone to CC me on an email that could have been like a meeting or like, you know, like, or, or something that's like, like, Oh, I feel like someone's like conference call. I'm in a webinar. Like, it's like, I didn't miss that stuff, but I feel like that was my only frame of reference for like what work looked like. So it was like really hard to, get my brain to like acclimate to like what it looks like to like sit down and like, okay, I'm sitting down in front of the computer, like me going into the word document and like fucking around with sentences for like 30 minutes and getting up and like making a bowl of cereal is work. Like that's what that is right now. Like that's what that's work. That's what work looks like for me now. I, um, and I want to hear so much more about this because I had a similar experience. And I think a lot of people do when they transition to writing. For me, I didn't transition to writing full-time all at once, Mm -hmm. but I did have that experience of, wait, mostly now I'm just here in my house Mm -hmm. and I have to figure out how to make my days function and get my job done and divide my time and do all that. But like, I have, nobody's ever... taught me how to do that. I've always just been uh, like accountable to other people's schedules to like work schedules or school schedules or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I also made really weird and elaborate schedules. And so what I wanted to ask you was like, did you, what, what were your schedules like then? Like, and did you make up things to do that would sort of create structure like the conference calls used to? Yes. I think it's like very much so because the first right away became like this thing where I was like, I felt like I needed to feel physically busy because like so much of like my work career, like working in libraries is like actually very like physically active work. So many of like, um, job descriptions at library, like require, like you need to be able to like lift up to 40 pounds. You need to be able to do like be on your feet for this, like amount of the day. And it's not something people associate generally with library work, but it's a very physically demanding job. Like where usually I got home and I was like, my feet were killing me. And I'd been like running around all day and only had black coffee or something. And I was like, like sitting down, like at a computer and just being like looking at the computer did not feel like I was doing like the physical kind of work. So I think like transitioning into putting lists together and like what needs to get done in the house? Like what have I been putting off because I've been like 
go, go, go with work and trying to fit like writing stuff in and like what has been neglected. So it's like, if I can put that in, in like a bulleted list and be like, okay, like check those things off. It's going to feel like a sense of like, okay, I'm getting something done, but there's only so many, like, like there's only so many times I need to like reorganize a kitchen or like, you know, like, okay, I'm going to like finally like the stacks of books that are just sitting all around my house, like actually put them on a shelf or take them into donation or do something. So I had these like bulleted lists of like things, like physical things I felt like needed to get done. But then once they were done, I didn't feel a sense of like accomplishment. I felt a sense of like overwhelming dread because I was like, these physical things are gone and now I don't have anything to replace them other than sitting down and like parking my ass in the seat and looking at the computer screen and writing. And that didn't necessarily, I felt like I needed to be doing more. So I was like, okay, now I'll do like all those emails that I hadn't responded to in so long, right? Like that have been waiting on replies. Okay, I'm going to like make it my mission to reply to every single one of these emails or like projects that I'd put off. I was like, I'm going to put together like a spreadsheet of like a timeline of things, right? Right? We're the kind of things that sometimes we do when we're in the middle of like a writing project that we do to distract ourselves instead of actually doing the writing, you know, like I need to do this research up front. Like what if I put together like a timeline for myself of this? Or like, what if I do X, Y, and Z instead of actually sitting down and like kind of spending time in a word document, because that feels overwhelming and scary is like really what I felt like I was doing a lot of at first. Um, and I think really the only thing that broke me out of it was like, I had a draft due to Riverhead. So I had, I had, had like kind of a ticking clock on when they were expecting like with teeth from me because they bought it for like through the, the first, like I'd only written the first 70 pages. So I had to like sit and write the rest of that book. And I was like, okay, now I have like a timeline I can give myself. Like I have to write X, like X amount of words per day. And then I had to like put it in it. And that kind of supplant, like, like took place of, those like other lists that I'd been doing, but oh man, it just felt like if I didn't go to bed, like physically exhausted, I felt like I didn't do anything. Did that come to a head or did that wind up being sustainable for you? It really did come to a head. And I think it came to a head, like pretty much when I got to Vegas. (laughs) Oh no. Quick note, Kristen and I both did the Black Mountain Institute Shearing Fellowship in Las Vegas, which is four months to just live in Las Vegas and work on your next book project. Well, no, I had a great time there. Honestly, it was like such, it's this sincere bummer of my life that I didn't get to like spend more time with because Sada Ortiz, um, is like one of the most delightful people on the planet. Um, I love her so much. And there were so many things that she had put together for us to do and like exciting readings. And I was really excited to like, I was like, okay, I'm a writer now full time. I'm going to take part in all of these like really exciting like writer things. I'm going to go to readings. I'm going to like be part of panels. Like I'm going to like talk with like, I'm going to write and then talk with other authors about like, you know, like process and craft and like all kinds of stuff. Cause it's like, I don't have my MFA. And I was like, I don't know what that looks like. And it just felt like it was like, oh, and this is going to be like really real. And then, um, like getting to Vegas, like, so we had the whole like process. I think that supplanted, um, like it took place too, where I was like, okay, now I'm traveling, now I'm getting there, now I'm here, now we're like moving in. And so it's still this physical, busy, busy, busy. And then we were there. And then like literally like a month later, it was like, okay, now we're, now you're just going to be in your apartment and you literally can't go do anything. And now you have to sit and stare at a Word document and it's your worst nightmare. (laughs) What happened? It was... I will be completely honest with you. I feel very lucky that I had finished the draft 
I'd finished the draft like right before I had left to come to Vegas. So I knew when I got to Vegas, I had until February 1st to send it over to my editor, um, Cal Morgan. Um, and I was like, okay, I want to get it done by the beginning of January before we drive out to Vegas. So that way when I get there, I can just like have the printed out pages and I'm going to go through and I'm going to like edit it like crazy and edit like crazy. And then that way I can send it. So like I got there and I spent like the first two weeks just like intensely, like in the office, like intensely, like scribbling little notes and like adding things and doing stuff and just like crawling around the senses and like kind of scraping things and trying to like make, um, like, you know, like make beauty out of like the remnants of a trash can. It was what it felt like to me. Uh, and I was like, okay, I hope Cal likes garbage. Um, and then sending it. And once I sent it, I thought I'd have this feeling of like intense relief. And in reality, I felt that feeling where like I felt before where I'd finished those physical things and then like not a sense of accomplishment, but a sense of, Oh no, now I have like freedom to work on other projects now. And I had this like moment of real terror. And I, I think the fact that it like coincided with this like moment of quarantine where it's like, well, I can't replace it with other things. Like I couldn't replace it by being like, well, I'm busy right now. I'm going out to going to readings or I'm meeting up with friends and like doing things here and stuff like that. I didn't get to like have the luxury, like self luxury of like not sitting and looking at the computer. Cause it's like, you have all the time in the world. Like you are in this like place you have to sit and look at your computer all day because there's not like it like days started bleeding into each other where I'd be like I swear to you there's times where I would like go crack a beer open because I could have sworn it was like at least four or five in the afternoon and it was 11 a.m. I was like I am like crawling up the walls um because it was like my I couldn't work on anything like I if if I felt like if I had an idea it was like my brain was like no you don't and it would like shut down and I, the only things I was capable of doing is sometimes watching, like, I started watching like a lot of episodes of the real housewives, honestly. Like I was like, I, I can't work. I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I'm really glad I finished this draft and sent it. So at least I have that. But I was like, I don't know if my brain's ever going to work again. I was like, I have no idea what's happening. I can't work at all. And it was real struggle. Like it was really a struggle. Um, I'm glad that my girlfriend decided to stay with me. <laughs> that must've been terrifying. It was really, um, and then I felt like I was like, this is like, cause it, it felt really bad, but I was like in the grand scheme of things, I'm like so many horrible things are happening in the world right now. And I was like, and this is like, I was like, you need to just calm down. I was like, oh, boohoo, Kristen, like you can't like work on a writing project right now. And you've been really wanting to, and you're like nervous about your brain being broken. I was like, I don't know. I didn't have a lot of sympathy for myself. Um, I think like, I think of this all the time. I think we're, we're our own worst critics and we're our harshest to ourselves quite often. And I was like, that was when I was definitely like at my meanest to myself, I think, where I was like, you have it so lucky right now. And your biggest problem is that you are in a space where you can work all the time and you can't work. And so I think even thinking like, like having like a constant mindset like that, like it was just like a ton of self-sabotage and it really took me, I don't even know. Like there's things that I was able to work on. I felt like there's some days I'd wake up and I'd be able to like do something in a spurt. And I would like scramble to get to like a computer or to write something down. Cause I was like, I don't know how long this is going to last. Thank you.
you know, writing was not something that you did for your, like, primary job or your breadwinning job for a long time, for most of the time that you've been a writer. And all of a sudden, that's now what it is for you. Um, Did that feel, did that give you some, like, feelings? (laughs) feelings? <laughs> yeah. that, how was that? How, what was that transition like trying to, you know, turning writing from like the thing you were sneaking in between work to the work you were obligated to, to do? Yeah, I think it was like having to, and this has been like a long-term process. I feel like I'm only now like really getting it unpacked for myself. It's, it's taken a while, um, longer than I had thought it was going to, or hoped that it was going to, but so much of like what I got out of writing when it was in that position where I could only do it in these furtive kind of like stolen moments was that I was like, this is, it was a genuine, even when writing didn't go well, or I thought the writing was really shitty. It was still a moment of genuine pleasure to kind of like have those little moments. Cause I was taking that time for myself and it felt special and like important and very private. And like these like moments where I got to be extremely creative and feel like my brain felt like on fire. And it was like, I used to try and explain it, um, to my (laughs) ex-wife and I'd be like, I'd be like, nothing makes me feel like that. Like when I'd have these like moments where I was like, when it's, everything is working, like all the cylinders are firing and I feel it, I feel it in my body. And after I'd be done, this kind of like feeling of euphoria that feels like, I don't know, like you're just like super high or something like off of that feeling. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of had this anticipation of that shifting into like, now that I get to work full time, oh my God, it's just going to be like a ton of that feeling. And it was not the same at all, but it was like, I was like interacting with writing in a completely different way. Whereas previously it had been like, these are stolen moments. These are like these little special little like moments. It was like, writing was my mistress. Right. (laughs) Sure. sounds horrible but it was like it was like this was like this very like I would do anything to get like time to do that like I'd be like it was so important to me and felt so good when I did get to do it even if it was like garbage and I threw it out I'd be like I I, happy that I got to do it and then when it was like shifted into this thing where now it's like all the time I was like this is just not how that's gonna work and my brain like was immediately in a revolt because that's not how I experienced writing previous to that it was like it's only in these little pockets. You get so much from it every time. And I was like, now, like every day when I sit down, I'm not getting like, I'm definitely not getting like joy from that every time I'm sitting down. It's not like that, like idyllic idea of me, like in the bathrobe with my steamy cup of coffee, like sitting, typing my genius thoughts into a screen. It's like me, like being like, Oh, close out the Twitter browser. Like, don't open that. Like, Stop like trying to like look at like a vulture list of like the office episodes. Like I was like, don't fucking do that right now. Like just sit and like work in the word document. And then realizing that I've written like three sentences that like have the word like like a weird word and then like four times because my brain like were you saying like you're like I don't know what language anymore. I'm like I've used those same word like fourteen times in like <laughs> four sentences. <laughs> Yeah. Like, why did I use the word basically in every sentence of this paragraph? What's happening here? Like, what's going on with my neurology right now? (laughs) Do you think that's something too, where it's like, I kind of wondered also, like another thing about writing for myself was like, I had to find windows of time. And so often those windows like came accompanied with like being surrounded by people, like 
I don't know, like, well, my writing never took place for the most part in like solitude or like silence. So it was like a lot of like writing, like at my desk on my break with like the world of the library going on around me or like, okay, I'm going to like go to a coffee shop or I'm going to go do this and like hearing things and understanding the world is like buzzing around me and like not having that anymore. And it being like this like real like feeling of like silence and solitude was like a weird shift. So what did you do? Did you put on music? I honestly feel like I did. I tried like a lot of things. Like I would like try and put the TV on even like not on something I necessarily wanted to watch, but you could like put on something stupid like HGTV and there's like friggin' property brothers trying to like turn a house or something. I just need something to be going in the background. So I feel like I could hear things. What I really missed was just hearing like the inane conversations happening around me. I'm a huge fan, obviously of bars. Um, I feel like I really miss like, and like a big, like, I'm going to put this out here, like comparing libraries to bars, but they're both places where you hear like the most ridiculous conversations that like, it's like they think no one's listening to them. I think that happens in bars. And that's like, part of that is like, people are drinking and then it makes everybody gets a little messy. But like in libraries, I feel like there's this idea that like, nobody's paying attention to like, who's around them. Like if you, sometimes like being a librarian, you'd like turn invisible to people, especially if you're working circulation, like they don't see you or they don't think about the fact you're there and like a human being, like people mm -hmm. have like wild phone conversations, really weird conversations with their significant others, like ask you crazy things um, that they just like, you know, would not happen somewhere else, but it's happening because it's like, they're in a library and like, like, like I've had someone ask for like the chewed gum, like out of my mouth working at the circulation desk at the library. What? Yeah, it's like this like really crazy slice of life that happens. Like the kind of a thing you can imagine like some drunk dude doing like at a crowded bar at like once it's like hitting on like one in the morning or something. That kind of thing happens in a library, but those people are stone cold sober for the most part. <laughs> it's like, I miss that kind of thing because I was like, I love this. I mean, I'm writing about Florida all the time and there's like, we got a lot of like, really interesting people anyway but I realized I, so much of like what I missed about being around people while I was working is I would think so much about like the very interesting messy ways that people are and so much of that was like hearing people talk to each other or hearing like them in like in the background so I tried to like put on tv and stuff and it, but it's just not the same you're not getting that same kind of like very bizarro slice of life of hearing like somebody's extremely bad tinder date at a bar or like somebody's phone call where she legitimately on the phone started saying like Star Spangled Banner like on the phone in the library like heartfelt beautiful she sounded great but I was like why are you doing this in here and I was like this is something as a fiction writer that like is really like fulfilling to me to think about like the myriad ways that we could even make a character speak and talk because if you think something is like well no that would never happen it's like it absolutely probably already has so right. <laughs> I tried to like do a lot of that stuff but I feel like I really I don't know. I had a, I had a difficult, I had a lot of difficulty because I feel like I would sabotage myself by, um, yeah, going on Twitter or doing something like that. Cause I was like, Oh, I want to like have interactions or see those kinds of things. And that, even though it was like not verbal and it was like me reading that stuff still had that same kind of like someone being stupid at a bar feeling sometimes <laughs> Twitter has that feeling. <laughs> How did this shift change your 
writing? Did it change the way you write? Not just process-wise, but what comes out? I think it has. I think it has, yeah. Um, and I struggled with that at first because I am a person who... I don't know. I like, I love this idea that like, cause for in every other aspect of my life, except work, I'm like, I would describe myself as a bro. Like I'm pretty chill about stuff. Like things are like really fun. like, I like to be like, right. Like I'm not like, I don't have to be on time for things. I'm pretty chill. But like when it comes to work, I have no chill. And that's like a thing I've had to discover about myself. And so like now writing, I was like, I have no chill writing. So it's like, I, and the the process that I, you know, used to write mostly dead things, um, was a process born of necessity because I was working insane hours at my library job. And I was like, in order to get a novel down, I have to like implement some kind of like process for myself, or it's just, I'm not going to get it done because I have so much other things, like so many things are going on. So then writing with teeth, I had a deadline. So I was able to somewhat implement that same kind of thing. Um, and I already knew what that book was about because I started it bef- before I had like left my like world of like nine to five jobs. But post that, I sincerely struggled. I was like, I don't know what this looks like anymore. I don't know, like, you know, do I get up in the morning and I work for an hour? No, this isn't working for me. Do I write at night? No, that hasn't worked either. Like, do I need to schedule like a word count schedule that hasn't worked for me? Like, do I need to like give myself some prompts? Like that's not working out. So I honestly like just kind of stopped. I was like, I'm going to like not make myself do that anymore. Cause I was like, I can't, this isn't working. I started writing something cause I was like, I feel like I need to be working on a project. I feel guilty that I'm not working on a project. Um, and I, every day I would work on it and I would be like, at the end of the day, I'd be like, I don't even know what I wrote about. Um, so I think it became this thing where I was like, I don't want to work, um, on something that I don't feel, um, not passionately. I'm even trying to think of the right word. I don't want to write something that I'm not thinking about later on. I want to write about some, like write something where it's like, even if it's like, I'm the only person that wants to read it. I'm thinking about it in the shower when I'm washing my hair. Like I'm interested in it enough that I want to be thinking about it. Like, I feel like it's just like the death smell if it's like a feeling of apathy for me toward a project. So I think it's like ended up changing my writing because I think, and I think this will just happen again and again. Cause maybe as we, you know, as we write a book or as we age or as we like, you know, meet people or have relationships or like go through life, like we change. So then it makes sense to me that process or like how we think about work or like the stuff that we like would change too. So like right now I'm in this place where I was like, I'm going to let myself work on as many projects as I want, which had like led to me just kind of word vomiting these like two books. And one of them is like, not like something I have written before. It's like very slapstick funny. And I was like, I don't know if this is anything, but it's like, I am in a space now in my work where I was like, I just want something to feel funny. I want something to feel like, you know, somebody slipping on a banana peel, kind of stupid. (laughs) So I was like, that's what I need. So I think it's kind of has like changed in a couple different ways. And then I was like, what if I write one where it feels more like a thriller? So I was like, I was like, I kind of sky's the limit at this point. So maybe I think it's changed my writing right now in ways of like, me not, I was like, I'm not going to like box myself in to what I think I have to do. You know, I'm just going to like try out, I'm going to try out whatever and see, like throw the, throw everything in the wall and see what sticks. 
I think is where I am right now, which I think is good. It's, it's working in the, in the, in the capacity that every day I'm able to, I'm able to write and that's all I want right now. That's like the most I can ask for myself. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you had to do maybe just because like out of sheer force of running out of options was to let go that entire attitude toward work that was about scheduling and word counts and like the programmatic Mm -hmm. and right from this totally different place um, that maybe is a little bit less I don't know, managed. You were saying you were a manager when when you worked (laughs) in libraries. And and it sounds from what you're describing, like you're managing your writing a little bit less. Yes. I would say that that's very accurate because it's like, it's just was at a point where I feel like I was trying to have a stranglehold on it. Like it was like, and it just wasn't working out. Like every time I tried to like say that this was, if I just feel like I was like being a real control freak about like my work, which is not a way that I'd ever really thought about my writing before, like going into like writing full time. Um, and so it, I was like, this is just not a, a thing that works for me. So it's like, I have like gotten rid of all my Excel spreadsheets that say different things I need to do on the Congratulations. Thank you. I feel good about that choice. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it sounds like I'm joking, but actually like, congratulations, that probably was hard to do. It was very difficult, but I, I think it's helped. It's kind of like loosened something up. I was like, if, I was like, if this loosens it in a way that I am able to work, then that, fuck it, that's good enough for me. I was like, as long as I can sit down and write something, even if it's not something I don't want to keep like every single day, then I am going to like, be like, that's a win. Like I'm doing it. Okay. Right. Do you feel like your sentences have changed? Hmm. I think it, I think I've moved in different directions because it's like, I also get bored really easily. So, um, I never want to be working on something that feels like the last thing I worked on. So I definitely do think like my sentences have changed. Like even like from like mostly dead things to with teeth is like, I feel like I'm always looking for a new way to tell a joke. I think I've been thinking about that a lot. So if I'm thinking about that in terms of like my work, um, I'm thinking about like what kind of humor like maybe is like sitting with me at that time. So like, like with teeth is like a lot of like, what if like you're at like the world's most uncomfortable dinner party? Like it's like really deeply uncomfortable. And I was like, can I make that funny? Like, is there other parts of that that's like very funny? And so um, like, I think my sentences have changed in terms of like, in terms of how I've changed or what, maybe what I think is funny or what I want to focus on. I think, um, I'm thinking a lot more about like wanting to, uh, sit with like the ideas of like specific craft, but just like, like, uh, Matt Salas's new book, I think is like a rock star book. Like I've been really like, that book's been helpful to me to kind of sit and like, think about like craft from a perspective and think about like what, what it is I'm trying to do without making me feel like I'm the world's biggest idiot. Um, <laughs> which I feel like a lot of the time, I don't know. I've never like sat down to write and felt like, wow, you really know what you're doing. It's usually like, man, I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, which is fine. But like, I do think it means that like, um, my sentences have like moved into like, like chaos in a different direction. Let's call it that. <laughs> Ooh, I love that phrase. <laughs> chaos in a different direction. It seems like chaos is something you really enjoy 
using Mm -hmm. as a plot device, as an ethos, as a way to push and test your characters, Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, And I'm wondering, which is funny because you're talking about this totally non-chaotic attitude towards work Mm -hmm. in general. Um, And I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about how how you want chaos to sit with you or in this book um, more generally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am a huge fan of people. Like people are so fucking messy. Like people are just wonderful and awful and just like so messy. I think my time like as a librarian has like shown me the deep well of messiness that humanity sits inside of. Um, And in writing this book, I was like, because I'm always fascinated with like families and things like that too. So I was just like, oh, like, I want to like think about like the deep messiness inside of family. And I was like, what's more chaotic than families? I don't know. But uh, like specifically, I was like, everybody in a family to me feels like an unreliable narrator. Because like, even if y'all share like stories, right? Like, oh, remember the story of that one Christmas where like Uncle Leo's donkey broke free and like, you know, like, knocked <laughs> over the baby Jesus manger. Like, even if that's like a shared family narrative, like every person who was there and witnessed it tells it like differently. So like the stories all touch each other, but they like are also very different from personal experience and just like very felt, like deeply felt emotions. So that to me stems like, it's like all connected. And so it has this like point of like, right? Like control where they're all attached, but then a point of chaos where like the narratives like completely diverge. And I also just think like there's things that happen in a household that like we feel like stay in a household or like just messiness or weirdness or stuff that happens. Um, And I was just deeply interested also about writing a very messy, uncomfortable book from a viewpoint of a woman, because I'm like, I'm not as interested in like likable or unlikable characters. Cause I think that's like, and it's like a weird binary too, that I think we like can put on things where it's like, right. Like it's like a weird gray area of humanity where people like, nobody's like completely likable. And if somebody's completely likable, then they're like really portraying a kind of brand maybe, but mm-hmm. um, of like what it looks like to be in a position where you're being judged no matter what you do. Like if you're a queer mother, Um, You have like people looking in ready to like find fault with whatever you're doing. And then also simultaneously, like the other side of that coin being like, um, you can't fuck up because you'll ruin it for everybody else. Right. Like though, like if you do fuck up, they're like, well, look at that. See, we knew that this was bad and it was like not something good. And then throw that into the mix. Like maybe the person is like not a great mom. Like maybe they're a shitty mom. What does that look like? You know, which there's plenty of shitty moms. So um, I don't know. It was like, Households are chaos, um, regardless. So I was like, it was, I'm always, I always want to write something messy. Like, I don't know. What's the fun in being like clean all the time? Clean feels like boring to me. So it's like, I think I'm going to like continue to write into like chaos because it's the most, it's the most fun. And like, I want things to be funny. So (laughs) maybe it's just going to be like chaos for me forever. Just like, complete chaos and then while I try and rein it in and control it and like you know discover that I can <laughs> Thresholds is a production of Lit Hub Radio we're produced by Drew Broussard and Justin Alvarez music and editing by Laura Faye Oshavud of Arthur Moon our art is by Kirsten Huber special thanks to Farrar Strauss and Drew I'm Jordan Kistner you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jordan.Kistner 
We'll see you next week. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.